The Accelerator Podcast is here. I'm your host on tap, Monty King, inviting you to leave ordinary in the dust. Every next level of our lives demands a better version of ourselves. Our guests will inspire you to close the gap. What doesn't happen by design happens by default, so the content on tap is created for listeners to learn and grow. Visit us online at whatsontap.tv or find us on your favorite podcast platform. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, tap five stars and drop us a review. Hit the notification bell to never miss an episode and share your favorites to help others outrun the status quo. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Accelerator Podcast. I'm your host on tap, Monty King, and I'm excited to have my good friend Horatio Neely of Neely Behavioral Health. And Horatio is on a mission to reduce driver burnout and transform the lives by breaking mental health stigma for commercial truck drivers all across this country. Horatio, you amazing human being. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Doing very well, Monty. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. I'm excited to get started. But first, let's talk about Neely Behavioral Health. Tell us a little bit more about what it is that you're doing and how you're doing it. Well, Neely Behavioral Health, we offer uh, programs to our Neely Counseling Center as well as Neely EAP. So on the counseling side, we provide uh, one-on-one counseling either face-to-face or via, um, via video or um, remotely. And also we provide our employee assistance program. So we support state, local, state, and government agencies as well as the private sector uh, especially when we talk about the transportation space as well. So give us a little bit more of your background and what led to the focus on the transportation industry, specifically uh, our drivers. Wow. So at, at the top of, um, of 2000, I, I worked for a company uh, called HEB. It's a trucking company, uh, one of the largest uh, grocery companies here in in Texas and essentially uh, they have their own private distribution of uh, their groceries through their, their warehouses and so forth. So I, I worked on the transportation side and I quickly could tell that there was a gap in reference to how drivers were perceived and the level of support that they were getting at the driver level. I worked with HEB for about five years and then I transitioned to a company called Gulf States Toyota, which is now U.S. Auto Logistics. So I always tease, I, I went from moving groceries to moving cars. And it's the exact same. The driver profile is exactly the same, whether you're moving groceries or if you're in a car hauling industry. Uh, that level stress, uh, the level support that they need is is even greater because the jobs are just really, really intense on both sides. So when you talk about the um, perception of the support for the drivers, that's one side of it, right? But then it's how the drivers perceive that, mm-hmm. right? So can you speak a little bit to the driver side on how that impacts them? Yeah, big time. Because drivers is just you know, often it's like, hey, I'm just a driver, right? And, you know, often I, I would come in contact with drivers who actually should have a college degree or very academically savvy, very sophisticated, and they just chose to drive because they wanted their own level of independence. So a lot of times drivers felt 
boxed in because the support uh, looked at them as just a regular blue collar worker, not as someone who was really a professional uh, driving a heavy duty piece of equipment. So can you um, recall or take us back to maybe the moment where something happened for with a driver that caused you to say, whoa, something's got to change? Wow. You know, I, instantly I think about a bread run. I had a driver who um, who was normally on a, a run. We call it a bread run because they have about call it about five or six different stops. And he came into the, the office and dispatch and he said, hey, I, I'm really not feeling it today. Um, and uh, dispatcher quickly discounted him and said, hey, you need to take this load or go home, you know. And of course, a lot of times financially from a driver perspective, they're not the best money managers, right? So often they may live check to check. And so when you give them that threat, take this load or go home, typically they're going to take the load, right? because they don't want to fear to lose the job and, of course, losing the compensation as well. Uh, this particular driver really was not feeling it, uh, and he had a good track record. So I knew something was going on in his life. So that was one where I overheard that conversation and quickly got involved and intervened and spent some time with him. And, of course, once you spend time with someone one-on-one and get a chance to peel back the onion, you realize he was having some personal issues. And, uh, you know, his mind was not in the right space to to drive that particular day. Mm. So whenever your mind's not in the right space, you're not really focused on what you're doing, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, You know, and of course, one distraction on the road for a driver could be, you know, catastrophic. It could Mm. definitely it could people could lose their lives or, um, you know, it's just it's just a bad, bad situation for a driver. So I've had some um, episodes uh, where I've had people uh, from involved in the litigation side of things. Mm -hmm. uh, And we've had conversations about uh, post-traumatic, the the trauma from after an incident and reintroducing a driver to something and their perception of what they thought happened was different whenever they were reintroduced to the actual video or whatever it was. Right. Right. And that could be resetting or putting them right back into the, uh, um, the moment or, or I guess the trauma itself uh, to have an impact on their behavior, especially because most of the time that doesn't happen until could be years before they get reintroduced. So they've had time to suppress it and, self-medicate, if you will, without speaking to someone. And and we just sort of, uh, it led me to the discussion about, well, you know, if a company provides um, an employee assistance program through counseling, et cetera, you know, what kind of impact should or could or would that have on a driver? And the response was, hey, that's a no-brainer. Um, yeah. This is something that should absolutely be available so I, I wanted to sort of I'll say all that to say and kind of pick your mind. Um, there's obviously pre-accident and post-accident, right? But what are just, just some benefits for improving the wellness of not just the individual drivers, but even company employees? To your point earlier, the perception is not always reality. 
and that could have an impact uh, either way, right? So can you speak on those benefits, if you don't mind, from both angles? Yeah, no problem. You know, the, the first thing that, that comes to mind when you talked about the the, the, uh, the post-accident process, right? Typically, when a driver is involved in an accident, what happens is that you go to drug alcohol testing and you, you go through the process, you step them down so you can, you know, get a chance to learn more about the incident. Uh, typically, what and I, I love the approach now is that when you have a protocol that includes uh, a debriefing with a counselor, you get a chance to allow that driver to not suppress that memory, but to to get into that trauma and an opportunity to work through it so they can understand it a little bit more. Because typically, if you don't have that level of debriefing, you're just releasing that driver back into the wilderness, right? Um, but, you know, I think one of the, the key benefits is whenever you introduce and you have some type of wellness program, you get a, a more complete person, right? Because whenever someone feels like they're not heard or they don't have an outlet, they, they tend to have that build up inside of them. They tend to walk around just uh, like a pressure cooker, right? And so often in our environment from a trucking perspective, you hear a lot of comedy, a lot of laughter, right? Because, you know, you have to laugh through these situations and you, because it's so intense. But if can you imagine if you had that level of, of that spirit of, of uh, freedom, that spirit of knowing that you can talk to everyone, knowing that you had an outlet, it takes the stress out of that bubble. I always tease you, it takes the air out of the balloon because it's so much pressure inside of that balloon and that often it, it helps to just release and create an environment where everyone feels free to be themselves and, and feel free to express themselves as well. And, and, you know, I would have to think that would increase um, production, right? You, you would become more efficient, more effective in uh, what you're doing and um, on a different level, right? And so, you know, often, uh, you know, we get into our KPIs often, right? Because drivers hear efficiency, they hear productivity. And so uh, I wouldn't say that I, I shy away from that all the time. But, uh, you know, we try to not create these environments where you're just a machine. You know, you're not on a production line. Uh, yeah, we want efficiency. Uh, but I think uh, healthy self-esteem, um, you know, those things are naturally going to help drivers be more productive. It's naturally going to have them be more efficient. Um, they're going to be participating in in the, the fuel um, mileage and making sure that they're, they're watching their fuel and, and doing everything that they need in order to make sure that that the company is economically sound. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard an analogy before that it's sort of like, uh, you know, when you're you're in a pool and you try to lay on a, on top of a beach ball in the water, right? Uh -huh. You can only get it down so far and then all of a sudden, yeah, it's time. going to make waves. And, and the analogy was to that of, like to your point, the stress or the trauma, you can only suppress it to the point to where it's eventually going to hit the surface. And it's about trying to be proactive and letting that rise up a little at a time to prevent the waves, right? Instead yeah. of just exploding. That's what I'm, I'm hearing you say, right? And for, for lack of a better term. 
Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that makes companies more successful is when you look at a driver's scorecard, right? Because you always have your company scorecard where you're looking at the big, the big nuggets in reference to fuelage and mileage, and a lot of those uh, those components they trickle down to the driver. But imagine if a driver had uh, an opportunity; they had health and wellness added to their scorecard, where they participated and some type of wellness activity, and it contributed from a positive perspective to the driver's scorecard as well. Not just how many how many loads they ran per week or how many cars they moved per week, um, you know, making wellness a part of their scorecard as well. So what does it say to you when an employer adds a program like yours to their protocols? Uh, what, what's it tell you about that company, that employer, in your opinion? Well, I, I would tell you that the companies that have uh, the companies that survey their drivers and they take time to get feedback from the organization and they realize that they have a, a healthy organization, they constantly illustrate and tell their driver population and support staff that they care. And because those are the companies that throughout this whole process of not being able to find drivers, the driver shortage, the companies that illustrate that they care about their their workforce, those are going to be the successful companies. And through the driver network, that gets out there that, hey, go work for this company because they care about you. You're not just another, another number. Have you seen uh, with companies that you currently work with um, an impact on either their driver turnover or their driver retention? Excellent. Yes. Yes. Uh, once again, um, when you talk about driver recruiting, you know, you can publish all the ads. You can put the analytics out there and track them online. It's word of mouth. And so those those successful companies, those drivers go out there and find other drivers that are a good fit for their organization that matches what they're trying to achieve, especially on a productivity side the economics of the whole overall process, but they go out there and find drivers for you. So when you talk about driver retention, uh, it's kind of embedded in that process as well, because once they realize that your, your, your benefits, okay, you have medical, okay, I have 401k. Oh, I have a health and wellness program, you know, EAP, what does it look like? Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Hey, I want to be a part of that company. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so tell me about the couch time check-in. What is that? You know, couch time check-in is, is really what we talk about. Physical health and mental health are on the same spectrum. And often, you know, we, when we look at our physical health, we have certain systems in place to help support it. For instance, you have your annual physical. So each year, whether you're presenting any issues, you go get blood work. And you get an, get observed by your doctor. And so when we talk about um, going to the dentist, you know, we get a cleaning probably every six months. Uh, I can go on and on about the physical components and systems that are in place. But what do we have in place for our mental health? And because that stress, that burnout, those are the intangibles. You can't actually see it. So uh, the couch time check-in is an effort to to say, hey, let's do an annual couch time. You may not be presenting any issues. You may not be angry, but let's sit down with a therapist and just give yourself an hour just to put everything out there. 
And after that hour, if you feel fine, hey, I'm good, doc. But after that hour, if you feel like, hey, I need to make some adjustments in my life, hey, I, I want to come back for a second session. Hey, I want to bring my family in. I think I need to talk about some serious things because you never know until you have that moment. And so part of it is not waiting for the wheels to fall off. Uh, that's part of the physical, right? When you go get an annual check in, uh, high blood pressure. OK, OK, I'm diabetic. You know, you, you pick up things at the annual physical. So whenever you do that annual couch time check in, you have an opportunity to assess and look at some things that you're probably not talking about. So it's sort of like a preventative maintenance program for your mental health. I love it. Yes. Yes. Preventative maintenance. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Our industry is full of that, right? You want to, what does it say? Um, Benjamin Franklin, uh, ounce of prevention. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, so is there anything else that you can tell us on how, uh, your programs support the employer and the driver that, that we haven't really touched on so far? Like what are some other things that you can do to support? You know, the program is pretty comprehensive because when you look at the driver, you know, typically, uh, what we saw in our program, it goes beyond counseling because a lot of times whenever, uh, even the overall workforce here, employee assistance program, they think, hey, I don't want to go to counseling, right? But our program goes beyond that. We have what we call our legal and financial support where drivers have free and their family members have free access to a financial uh, consultant as well as an attorney. Also, we have different programs um, like computerized CBT. Uh, with this new generation, a lot of times, if you can offer it on from a, a technical perspective, they can do it self-paced, but they can get involved in the, the cognitive behavior therapy process. It's called com computerized CBT. We also have a program called AWARE, which is a stress, stress management program where you get paired up with a therapist and you can check in with them once a week or biweekly over a period of time just to talk through things. You don't necessarily have to go in and see a counselor. Just talk it out. Just talk to someone. Um, we also have a nutritional wellness program where you have access to a nutritionist, a functional nutritionist, where you can call that person up and uh, dial in from a remote session and just talk to your diet and look at your, your overall wellness from an eating perspective. We know a lot of times drivers, it's tough. It's a sedentary role, so it's tough to find good meals, but it also helps to have like, you know, a wellness coach, someone that's out there that knows, understands nutrition, understands what you do and kind of give you a good, good game plan from a meal perspective. So those are amazing solutions. So now I've got to hit you with what's the problem. And really what I mean by that is what is the stigma right now? about commercial truck drivers. In reference to participating in these services or? Just in, in general, how are they perceived like we sort of talked about or, or what is the reality for that matter for to, to um, where there's a need for this mental health and wellness and even physical, um, addressing the physical sides of it as well. So, um, yeah, so I, I'll approach it from you know, looking at how we progress when you talk about um, currently how drivers go about with their CDLs, right? So when you talk about 
here recently we've incorporated a level of fitness that's in there because if you go to get your CDL and they realize that your your blood pressure's up or you're diabetic, you know, there's certain things now that you have to hit that threshold. They may may not renew it for like a year or so. So from a government perspective, I think that they've it's on the radar physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you talk about the psychology of it and you talk about wellness, um, I think there's a stigma associated with the costs associated with purchasing or investing in that and then understanding the need. Uh, a lot of times when you look at personnel, you don't necessarily have to have a licensed professional counselor on board or someone that has a sociology or a therapist background, but it helps to already be aware that you need that type of support around your driver group, because I think there's a stigma that there's something wrong with, with my organization is something wrong with my driver population. So, um, you know, whenever you talk about the stigma of mental health, a lot of people naturally think there's something wrong. Something's going on. And part of what we're trying to say, there's nothing wrong. You're healthy. That's part of the process. That's part of life. But you have to be able to extend those level of resources to support your organization. Yeah, it sounds like, it. you know, a lot of it is just being aware, the awareness of you know, mm-hmm. this doesn't mean, like you pointed out, that something is wrong. But you're aware that your equipment needs serviced every so often for a longer, better life, right? For the life of that equipment. And it's more of the awareness of, hey, we all have secrets or we all have stress or we all have whatever you want to fill in the blank with. And it's pressure that we put on ourselves. Sometimes it's unnecessary. Uh, And just being aware that we all have that. It's always great to have an opportunity to, in a protected or safe place, be able to communicate that, and, and so so it doesn't build up. And then, you know, back to my analogy because it's how I remember it: explode out of the water like explode the beach. Explode out the water. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that awareness is huge. Yeah. Um, go ahead. No, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about um, from a support perspective. I think it's very important that you, you know, companies invest in their their frontline support. When you talk about the ratio of supervisors to, to drivers, right? Whether it's one to 30, one to 60, mm. you'd be surprised around looking at those numbers of management supporting drivers and the level of support that you have, uh, because those same services need to apply to them as well, because what we've learned and what I know to be true is that when you talk about utilization rate of these type of services, the higher the utilization rate, the higher the participation of the frontline management team. Mm. So you have to be committed to training and educating your staff to be engaged, be aware what to listen for, how to, mm. how to get engaged with, with the driver mental health as well. Because often that staff, if they're not educated and trained on what to listen for and how to how to promote and say, hey, I call it a friendly referral where, hey, we have an EAP program. Why don't you go talk to somebody or, hey, I noticed, you know, it's always something financial you've been talking about. Hey, you know, we have 
EAP, you can talk to a financial consultant, right? So I think companies have to take the time to get their get their their frontline support um, educated and trained on, you know, what wellness looks like, and be able to bring in professionals to talk to them as well. So if the the leadership or you know the owner, the whoever's in in the management, uh, there's no buy-in there. The dispatchers probably aren't buying in. And they may be even triggering or making some of the stress worse on the drivers, right? Yeah. So it's got to be a, um, a you know, both sides of the coin, so to speak, uh, yeah. the inside and the outside, which I love. I think that's a fantastic approach. Uh, and again, it goes back to the awareness. Maybe dispatch isn't even really aware of what to look for or that they're triggering something in the driver. Um, Ooh, and- trigger. Yeah, trick. And you know, they know the triggers, right? For instance, you know, dispatchers that especially have been in organizations that 20 plus years, they know the profile of their drivers. They know how to get them on that very difficult road load or how to get them out there. They know what makes them tick. So yeah, you know, why not start with your dispatch team, giving them the tools and resources that they need. I'm going to give a, a real life example that uh, I have a friend that's on the inside, um, not the, this company anymore, but a long time ago, uh-huh. we were just talking in general and, and uh, a driver called him and was just kind of like, hey, you know, I, I can't make it. You know, I, I just can't go. And his response at that time was, you're a professional. <laughs> get your you know boots on, get out there and get this load delivered. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's not really his mentality as a human being. Right. But being in that environment and whatever it was, his pressure, the pressure on him to, to make sure the drivers were doing what they needed to do. Um, and now that we're talking about and having this conversation, it reminds me of that. So it's got to be prevalent in the industry. I mean, that's got to oh, yeah. be a regular uh, occurrence, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, and, it goes back to the awareness. Some people don't know what they don't know. Yeah, I laugh. I've heard that quite a bit. Hey, you're a professional. You're a professional driver. Okay, okay. Yeah, I get that. But you're right. You signed up for this, right? You signed up for this. That's what you yeah. do. That you know, you're a driver, right? And I think that goes back to that that driver back in the seventies and eighties. You know, you've you know get some noto pills and whatever you know, however they needed to get through it, but. A new generation where everything's electronic, where, you know, the systems and the, the equipment is more sophisticated. And so I think just like we've made the investment in our equipment over a period of time, is making an investment in the personnel as well. Love it. Horatio, let's transition to what I call the tap five. Okay, let's do that. This is going to be the five questions. You're not prepared, I'm sure, for this. So uh, there's no wrong answer. Uh, but let's get started with number one. What is the worst mental health advice you've ever heard um, or or seen? I guess it would be a better way to put it. So, what have you? Excuse me. What have you seen or heard out there that you were like, whoa? Um, all I can say, hey, you'll be okay. Don't worry about it. You know, if someone gets finished giving me this story, as I said, throwing up on you, telling you all something tragic. Hey. You just you don't worry about it. You'll be okay. <laughs> that that makes me. Uh, I don't even know where I what triggered this in my memory, but uh, time heals all wounds, right? Just yeah, just, time. Just 
Yeah. So on the flip side, what is the best mental health advice that you've ever heard or, or you've given? Um, hey, I'm here to listen. I'm here. Just It's okay. You, you're in a safe environment. It, it's okay to be not okay. Hmm. You know, what do you need? And, and I think, and I've heard that more so now. It's okay not to be okay. Um because a lot of times we have this stigma that, especially from a male perspective, that I can, I'm okay. And so when you get some chinks in your armor, you're like, whoa, and you know that something is not right. And so it's okay not to be okay. Mm, that's good. So take me back to teenage Horatio. What advice would you give your teenage self? Wow. You know, I, I think, you know, so I was a military kid, so I went to two different elementary, two, two different junior highs and two different um, high schools. And, um, man, biggest advice, you know, I would just say continue to focus, focus in school and have fun, not be so serious. Um, Were you a serious teenager? Yeah, it was. It's pretty serious, you know, because when you change, you transition to different schools, especially high school, <clears throat> you know, you have to be engaged, right? You've got to mm -hmm. figure some things out. So you have to keep your focus. So you're not, uh, you know, my biggest thing in school back then was kids going off to alternative school and the alternative schools then were tough, tough. <laughs> so you didn't want to, you know, be in that bucket. So you, Hey, let's stay focused. Do what you need to do. Good. Got it. All right. So the next one, do you recall what the first CD you ever purchased was? Uh, I want to say probably Guy. Guy, I like. It was called Sanka. I like. Yeah. I know guy. that one. Sing some of it. Can you oh, God. I'm just I kidding. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's one of my favorites. Yeah. So, yeah, uh -huh. I remember all the CD world. Well, let's go back to cassettes. You know, what was your first cassette player? You know? I, I know what mine was. What was yours? And I'll tell you what mine was. Uh, probably Eric B. and Rockin. Nice. Uh, yeah, mine was, my first cassette tape was Ray Stevens. Okay. Uh, and my first CD was The Monkees. Oh, the monkeys! Yes. Wow. That's you cool. almost did their intro there. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's cool. All right. So, uh, last question: Who is the all-time greatest ever professional wrestler? You know, you know, it's easy to go Ric Flair because he's made a resurgence lately. Uh, yeah. I, I just saw something on Dusty Rhodes back in the day. Um. I came out of the Mid-South, so I had to go with Jerry Lawler. Oh, okay. Jerry Lawler, yeah. Him and the Bill King. Dundee. Yeah, the king, Jerry Lawler, yeah. So do you have a Jerry Lawler impression that you can give everybody? No, I cannot. No, I know. <laughs> I cannot do that. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Oh, my hey, God. That, if, if you come up with anything, let me know. But uh, – this has been awesome, Horatio. Tell everybody how they can get in touch with you if they've got other questions or are interested in some services, et cetera. Uh, how can our listeners reach out to you? Yeah, so you can reach me at Horatio at NeelyCounseling.com. That's uh, Horatio at N-E-E-L-Y-C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G.com. 
or you can uh, go to our website at neelyeap.com, neelyeap.com. Okay. All right. And you're on LinkedIn as well, I believe? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, Horatio Neely LinkedIn, and also Instagram and Twitter as well. Awesome. Horatio, it's been a pleasure. I hope you come back and join us again soon. Be well, my friend. Hey, awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you.